Hello and welcome to the Armenian News Network Groom. I'm Hovig Manushayan. Today's episode is a collaborative effort with 168 hours in an effort to increase the amount of English language coverage of the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh, which has entered its 16th day today. We'll be discussing the situation with Benjamin Bolosian, and this episode was recorded on Tuesday, December 27, 2022. My guest today is Benjamin Pogosian, who is the chairman of the Yerevan-based think tank Center for Political and Economic Strategic Studies. Hello, Benjamin. Glad to have you on this studio. Hello, Ovik. Thanks for having me. Benjamin, you're um, probably one of the most frequent guests of our, our Groom podcast. I remember having many conversations with you regarding the ongoing geopolitical developments. And specifically, I think it was about a year ago, when you were telling us uh, that the government in Armenia believes that, uh, to quote you, Artsakh is lost and the maximum that these people can hope for is to live in de jure Azerbaijan, but de facto Russian-controlled protectorate. Part of me didn't want to believe that, but that Russian-controlled part is also now sort of almost in question. How did we get to this? I mean, do you believe that this is sort of, you know, was this a surprise to you to end up in the situation we are today? Can you maybe paint an overall picture of what's happening for us? Okay, it's very complicated uh, task to picture or to frame an oral picture because there is a some intersection of different actors, different interests, regional and even um, global. And the war in Ukraine, which started in February 2022, even made the situation more complicated. But on a local level, if you look at it from Armenia-Azerbaijan perspective or Armenia-Azerbaijan and Nagorno-Karabakh Republic perspective, everything is very clear. Azerbaijan believes that okay, he won the war in 2020. And he wants to fix the results of the war, not in a trilateral statement, but in a document which will have some legal binding force. That is why Azerbaijan wants that, okay guys, you lost the war, now you have to sign an agreement, you have to accept that there is no Nagorno-Karabakh anymore. This is number one priority for Azerbaijan. There is no Nagorno-Karabakh as a territorial administrative unit anymore. Armenia should accept this, and Armenia should accept that anything related with Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh is a pure issue, internal issue of Azerbaijan between Azerbaijani government and Armenian community of Azerbaijan or between Azerbaijani government and Azerbaijani citizens of Armenian ethnic origin, something like uh, Americans of Armenian ethnic origin or Canadians of Armenian ethnic origin. So this is a number one requirement or demand from Azerbaijan. Uh, number two, that Armenia should provide access via Armenia to Nakhijewan and Turkey, which, according to Azerbaijani perception, should be de facto exterritorial corridor. The Euro, they are telling no, of course, no exterritoriality, it should be under Armenian jurisdiction, but what they want and what they understand under the term of corridor, it means de facto extraterritorial um, corridor. So, how to reach this? Uh, they understand it, okay guys, uh, you are weak, you lost the war, you are now in a Perpetual, uh, perpetual circle of uh, domestic instability and also our, your military is uh, weak. So it was weak before 2020 war, now it's much more weakened. So we first of all will use the military blackmail, we will escalate as far as you will agree to our demands. And second issue, or second way, if this is not going to happen, if for whatever reasons Armenia is not going to sign and even if Armenia signs, but the population of Nagorno-Karabakh Republic tells that, okay, guys, I'm not a part of Azerbaijan and we are not Azerbaijani citizens of Armenian origins, 
the second way to solve this issue from Azerbaijani perspective to force Armenians out from Nagorno-Karabakh. So from this perspective, if uh, we look back for this past, I believe, already 25 months, starting from November 2020, what is Azerbaijan is doing is very logical from their perspective. Yes, it's cynical, it's non-humanistic and racial, and we may use many other words to say very bad and negative things what Azerbaijan is doing. But from Azerbaijani perspective, they have clear goal and they are doing steps to reach their goal. So from this perspective, nothing uh, should uh, surprise us. Regarding their decision to uh, block the launching corridor, Azerbaijan was always uh, thinking about putting some control over the launching corridor. We hear the statements that weapons are being smuggled or transported from via launching corridor mines or some other illegal goods. And Azerbaijan was threatening uh, by the level of president. Said, okay, we will impose a checkpoint or we will establish a checkpoint along the launching corridor. But Azerbaijan understood very well that, okay, if they will install a checkpoint, military checkpoint, most probably Russia will react. I'm not sure who gave Azerbaijan this advice, but definitely I'm, I don't believe that Azerbaijan is decided to this. Definitely they got some advice from abroad. It could be from Turkey or from other countries. We all know whom they are collaborating very actively with. Said, okay, guys, why you are going to put military checkpoint, which will provide Russia a legitimate base to use force? Let's organize uh, something like another color revolution or velvet revolution. Uh, civilian people protesting uh, about environment, thinking, dancing, I don't know, putting tents and etc. Excellent move, which automatically deprive Russia from any possibility to use force. Because uh, how we can imagine that Russian soldiers are using force, even, I'm even not speaking about shooting these guys, but simply disperse them, using force against Azerbaijani citizens, who, according to all over the world, including Republic of Armenia's official positions, they are on Azerbaijani territory. So it's a very smart move, uh, non-violent uh, non civilian non-obedience movement, if you call it by terms, which deprive Russia from any possibility to use force, because any force used by Russia, it will be shooting or it will be simple disbursement, like if peacekeepers will try to act like a riot police and disperse the persons, this will automatically first give Azerbaijan a right from Azerbaijani perspective to deploy troops, because they will tell, look, Azerbaijani citizens are being killed or wounded or persecuted or whatever else in mm -hmm. Azerbaijani territory. Second, definitely it will uh, create huge complications in Azerbaijan-Russia relations. And third, it will create complications in Russia-Turkey relations. But we all should understand one thing very well. As far as war goes on in Ukraine, Russia needs Turkey. Russia needs even Turkish balanced approach. Yes, Turkey provides also weapons to Ukraine, Bayraktar, etc., etc. But Turkey has a balanced approach, and Russia needs this balanced approach. So from Azerbaijan perspective, it's almost an ideal scenario. Russians are not able to use force because this is a civilian movement. And second, even if Russians at the end of the day decided to use force, it will create definitely create tensions, if not crisis, in Russia-Turkey relations, which on which Russia has zero in interest. You, when we were talking about the corridor again uh, a year ago almost, uh, you were saying that you know, one of the reasons why Azerbaijan took over the Goriskapan Highway was to force uh, Armenia to provide a corridor. And if that didn't happen, there were several also st steps culminating with the closure of the Lachin Corridor. And I guess sort of, is that sort of, is that game still in play? Do you believe that Azerbaijan gets what it wants in terms of uh, the so-called Zangezer Corridor, call off its protesters uh, on the Berzor or Lachin Corridor? My understanding is that maybe at the end of the day this protest will end. I don't believe this will uh, continue for one year. But again, the key 
a strategic goal of Azerbaijan, even is not the corridor, but is Nagorno-Karabakh, because there is a perception in Armenia that they want corridor more than Nagorno-Karabakh, so if we made concessions on the issue of Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, they will say, okay, uh, let's forget about corridor. No, there is a no trade between Nagorno-Karabakh and corridor, and we should not think that, okay, Azerbaijan demands two things, let's give one to Azerbaijan and save another, because um, I believe that there is such a perception in Armenia that, okay, if we are forced to give both Corridor and Nagorno-Karabakh, but if there is a hypothetical choice, we should give Nagorno-Karabakh or Corridor, because Corridor is in the territory of the Republic of Armenia, because Corridor will cut our connection with Iran, better to give up on Nagorno-Karabakh, but not give up on Corridor. But the issue is not here. The number one strategic goal of Azerbaijan is Nagorno-Karabakh, but it does not mean that after digesting Nagorno-Karabakh, they will forget about Corridor. And we hear from Azerbaijan President Ilham Aliyev that they will not forget even about the Yerevan. Mm. This guy is clearly publicly stating that it was a crime to give Yerevan to the Republic of Armenia, it was a crime to kick out Azerbaijanis from their historical lands, Yerevan, Sunik, Vyodor regions, Gevarkunik regions, most probably he will reach even to, I don't know, Tavush, uh, Lori and Shirak regions. And this guy is very clear, that okay, we will do everything, first, Azerbaijanis should return, and here we are speaking about hundreds of thousands of Azerbaijanis. And uh, I would like to say that if before 2020 war, Aliyev was speaking that okay, Azerbaijani flag will be in Shushi, Many people were mocking him, telling that, okay, this is a something for internal audience, this guy is, uh, has nothing to do with war, he's a soft guy, like, uh, because he has a very powerful parent, blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately for us, 25 months, Azerbaijani and even Turkish flags are in Shushi. So, first of all, we should take very carefully what Aliyev is telling. And this guy is telling that, okay, we almost have solved the Nagorno-Karabakh issue, now we should deal with the Republic of Armenia. And this is very clear. And uh, second, as I mentioned, if even this protest will end, the main task, immediate task for Azerbaijan is to kick out as much Armenians from Nagorno-Karabakh as possible. So let's uh, look to the situation. First time they blocked the, block for, blocked the road for 3-4 hours. Now uh, road is blocked for 16 days. Okay, let's assume the blockade will end or will last some 25 days. But what message is sending to Nagorno-Karabakh, Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh? First closer, 4 hours. Second closer, let's assume 25 days. Third closer will be 60 days. So, if you are wise, and if you are smart enough, you should use this window between the end of second closer and the beginning of third closer to get out from Nagorno-Karabakh. Because if, let's assume, during the second closer somehow you survive, because you have some, I don't know, um, you have some warehouses where you have bread, some... Uh, something uh, to keep your uh, functionality, if we'll close the road next time for two months, it will you will be starved simply. So this is a very clear message. And I believe that even uh, in this case, Azerbaijanis may not even close the road officially third time. Just imagine, they are opening the road, and then there are rumors that, for example, on February 1st, 2023, Azerbaijanis is going to close the road for two months. You can imagine what people in Nagorno-Karabakh uh, will feel when they were told that, okay, uh, within several weeks, the road is going to be closed for another two months. I will blame no one from Nagorno-Karabakh if this guy will say, okay, if no one is taking care of us, at least let's jump these several, uh, even not in a 100, like from Stepanagir to Goris, it's I believe 100 kilometers, even 90 kilometers. So, Azerbaijani strategy is this, okay, first, Armenia should recognize there is no Nagorno-Karabakh as a territorial administrative unit, second, uh, we should have as less Armenians as possible in Nagorno-Karabakh, because and many Azerbaijan experts are speaking about this, that, look guys, we managed 
Of course, they don't say we managed to kick out Armenians from Nakhjevan, but they are telling, look, in 1988, when Karabakh movement started, why there was no movement in Nakhjevan, from their perspective? Because there were no, no Armenians. So they believe that, okay, if there was zero Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh in February 1988, we all understand there will be no Nagorno-Karabakh movement, so from their perspective, there will be no problems. So it's very clear strategy that, okay, no Armenians, no, no problems. problems. The problem for us here is that we do not have clear strategy because, as I mentioned, there are different perceptions here. Some people or some circles are telling, okay, because we lost the war, we should suffer. So if Azerbaijan demands two things, Nagorno-Karabakh and Corridor, let's give up one, even regardless, it will be Corridor or Nagorno-Karabakh, but keep, uh, but keep another. This is one perception. The second perception is that no, uh, Azerbaijan will digest Nagorno-Karabakh, then Sunik, then Bayodzor, and all this will end up in Yerevan, so we should don't give up anything, we should try to resist, but there are other problems here, but are we able to resist? This is a totally different question. But this is the second option. No, we should not give up Nazon Corridor, nor on Nagorno-Karabakh, because Azerbaijan is not going to be satisfied. But also there is a third option that, okay, at the end of the day, we should somehow normalize our relation with Azerbaijan and Turkey so that we should not be under the constant pressure or threat of new war and etc. etc. So let's normalize our relation with Azerbaijan and Turkey. And then here we are jumping into the global geopolitics, especially now, mm -hmm. the rivalry between Russia and the West, especially Russia and the United States, with US clear vision that, okay, Russia should be kicked out from South Caucasus. And in this perspective, uh, probably Americans are coming to us and telling that, okay, guys, we are happy to see no Russians here. But what does it mean, no Russians here? No Russians here, it means that if Armenia agrees that sh there should be no Russians in South Caucasus, or at least in Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh, Armenia, first of all, should normalize relations with Azerbaijan and Turkey. Otherwise, it makes no sense. That is why Americans are very active, trying that, okay, guys, let's somehow uh, normalize your relation with Azerbaijan and Turkey, and then it will allow us also to force Russians out here. So this is a third perception, that we need normalized relation with Azerbaijan and Turkey. We cannot live under the constant threat of new attacks. But for this, if we are normalizing relations with Azerbaijan and Turkey, most probably it means that also we are telling, saying goodbye to Russians. This is a sort of perception, also mixed with global geopolitics. Thank you. Uh, you actually answered many of the questions that I wanted to ask. But I do want to clarify, um, what is the basis for you to uh, essentially assert that U.S. wants, I mean, how certain is the position that the U.S. really wants Russia out of the region? I mean, is there... Is there possibly that you could be sort of there could be a compromise uh, reached, and I'm not sure sort of, or is that, or are those wheels in motion already, in your opinion? Okay, as far as I understand, until as far as the current administration is in the Washington, and the next presidential elections uh, will take place in November 2024. I'm not going to go into details who can win. People are telling that okay, uh, if Democrats cannot find any younger candidate, okay, Biden. Some 82 years old, it's a little bit strange, but also we do not know who can win from Republican side. Many before these midterm elections thought that Trump will come back. But because of these not very impressive results of the Republicans, now as far as I understand, many Republicans are telling that no, we should find the new guys. There is a discussion about this Florida governor, but let's not go into the domestic politics of the United States. But as far as there is a no president in the United States, and the Biden, in any case, will be president of the United States until at least January 20, 2025. I don't believe that there will be any significant change in U.S. policy towards Russia, and U.S. policy towards Russia is this. First of all, Russia should be weakened as much as possible through the continuing war in Ukraine. Second, Russia should be kicked out from as much territories of former Soviet space as possible, including South Caucasus. On this uh, issue of relations with the West, indeed there has been um, a flurry of public gestures from the Armenian side 
uh, towards uh, West, uh, whether it's sort of, you know, um, going to Prague, for instance, to discuss, uh, you know, to negotiate with Azerbaijan versus uh, Moscow. Uh, but, uh, for instance, like French parliamentarian Valérie Boyer said that she lamented, why, uh, like, why hold the Francophone in Yerevan? Why do we tell Armenians that they are brothers and sisters? when we're going to let them remain alone with their dictatorial neighbors. So what guarantees can the West provide Armenia, even if we assume that this is the goal? I don't see anything on the table that Armenia would, could take to the bank in terms of ensuring its future security in this region without Russia. Now, first of all, we should clarify by saying Armenia, we understand this very profound 29,800 square kilometer, often quoted by our leadership. Then we understand also uh, Republic of Armenia plus the Republic of Nagorno-Karabakh with currently these 3,000 square kilometers uh, mostly under the Russian control. Mm -hmm. If by telling Armenia we understand Armenia plus Nagorno-Karabakh Republic, West uh, is not able to provide any guarantees to us regarding the Nagorno-Karabakh Republic because Azerbaijani position is very clear. If Russian peacekeepers leave Nagorno-Karabakh, they will never ever allow any other international military presence in Nagorno-Karabakh. Yeah no UN peacekeeping operations, no OSCE peacekeeping operations, and I can assure you that no country or no international organization will ever send troops to Nagorno-Karabakh against Azerbaijani will. This is simply not going to happen. But the, the other scenario, let's, I mean, I'm not arguing this, but let's say that we take this cynical approach that we somehow uh, sell off Artsakh and we are just like the 29,800 uh, kilometers, square kilometers of in uh, Armenia. Who is going to provide the security if we, um, you know, can we essentially, is, is Turkey going to sort of provide our security? Okay, here is also very complicated because uh, it's not just saying, okay, let's kick out Russia from South Caucasus. If Armenia is kicking out Russia from South Caucasus, it means that Armenia becoming enemy of Russia. Yes. Russia is a quite strong and automatically being, uh, having such an enemy as Russia is complicated. Second, let's not forget about, about Iran. If we are becoming pro-West, or we are becoming another uh, launchpad or proxy of the United States in this region, and we have a border with Iran, it means that Iran is automatically becoming anti-Armenian. So here, in this case, even it's not issue of who will secure our security from Azerbaijan and Turkey, yeah. but another issue, who is going to provide guarantees again against some possible actions by Russia and Iran? Because again, if we are playing the game of the West to help them to kick out Russia from South Caucasus, it means that automatically we are becoming enemy of Russia and we are becoming enemy of the uh, of Iran. So even if we forget about Azerbaijan and Turkey, this is not the very best scenario for Armenia to be an enemy of Russia and Iran. But here also there is an issue, okay, we are supporting West, we are supporting West to kick out Russia from South Caucasus, we have very bad relations with Russia and with Iran. In that case, whom we are going to rely? The logical answer is on Azerbaijan and Turkey because most probably you are not able to rely on uh, Georgia to balance Russia and Iran. So from the science fiction scenario that Armenia is using Azerbaijan and Turkey to balance against Russia and Iran. So theoretically, how ther is this possible? In theory, everything is possible. But on the best case scenario, if uh, there will be Armenians in this territory called the Republic of Armenia, and even Republic of Armenia will continue to exist, it will be Republic of Armenia, not even under the Turkish influence. I will say under the Azerbaijani influence, because frankly speaking, we are too small to be under Turkish influence. Turkish Turkish ambitions are much bigger. They think about entire Central Asia, Eastern Mediterranean, Middle East, the Western Balkans, and etc. So in this scenario, yes, West may provide us guarantees that okay, there will be no genocide, there will be no ethnic cleansing, and there will be mass rapes. Sorry for this. 
But yes, in this case, Armenia should rely on Azerbaijan and be something like a junior partner of Azerbaijan by being junior partner of Azerbaijan, trying to defend itself or balance against Russia and Iran. I don't think that this is a good scenario. <laughs> I don't think anyone here, at least, you know, agrees. Uh, so you don't believe that there is a political party in Armenia that carries the flag of the United States and Iran at the same time? You don't think that's possible uh, in, a, in the future? Uh, okay, uh, you can uh, carry out whatever flags. You can simultaneously carry out is not only U.S. and Iran. I can carry out simultaneously Israel and Iran flags. I don't know, uh, Venezuela and United States flag, or I can carry out the North Korea and South Korea flag, or North Korea and Japan flags. But Chinese is, and Taiwanese. Yes, Chinese <laughs> and Taiwanese flags, but it's not issue of the flags. The f uh, there is a clear fact that from Iranian perspective, as far as Iran has a very, very complicated relation with United States and Israel, and I'm, f I'm afraid this is not going to end very soon. And very soon this may continue for decades. We see this rivalry for, I believe, 43 years, starting from 1979, Islamic Revolution. So, as far as Iran is here, if we are becoming proxy of the United States, you are automatically becoming the enemy of Iran. And because if you are becoming proxy of the United States and starting to support the US to kick out Russia from South Caucasus, you are automatically becoming the enemy of Russia. And if Armenia is the enemy of Iran and Russia, the only powers on which you can somehow balance is Turkey and Azerbaijan. Uh, of course, mostly Turkey, because Azerbaijan itself is too small to balance against Russia and uh, Iran, and Turkey has some connection with the United States. Also, it's very complicated to set at the end of the day both things Erdogan is balancing between US and Russia, still he's a strategic level Russia, or he thinks only about his power and money, and he does not uh, give any cent neither to geopolitics nor to uh, different isms, pan-Turkism, pan-Islamism, whateverism. But regardless of what Mr. Erdogan wants, at least, if you want to balance Iran and Russia, and if you are perceived by Iran and Russia as an enemies, you should mostly rely on Turkey. But because you are too small and Turkey is too big, then Turkey will uh, deliver delegate. this, uh, delegate this uh, like requirements or responsibilities to protect Armenia from Iran and Russia to uh, Azerbaijan. So again, theoretically, it's possible. But frankly speaking, I, uh, it's very difficult to imagine myself that, for example, Armenia is protected by Azerbaijan and. Turkey against Iran and Russia, again, it could be that Americans will say, okay, no genocide, no ethnic cleansing, no mass killings, okay, uh, live here and enjoy the life somehow, but um, frankly speaking, it's uh, not the scenario which I like, at least. Right. Well, it's a thankless task, but, uh, you know, you have been right in the past. Do you want to offer us some predictions, since it's also at the end of the year, what will happen in Ukraine, uh, what will happen in the region, maybe in 2024? Uh, is it continued instability, or is there a uh, light in the end of the tunnel? Okay, in Ukraine, as far as I understand, there is a deadlock. At least uh, from Europe perspective. Europe, they are not interested in a long war. But also they are not interested to freeze conflict now because they have zero trust on Russia. They believe what are the guarantees that if we freeze the conflict and signing a Minsk free, then Russia will not use this and after one or two years will not launch new new tech. So this is not all this is also not a good scenario. But also they understand that neither Russia nor Ukraine can have a quick victory. So from European perspective, this is deadlock. Long war is not good, freezing conflict is not good, and there are no options for quick victory for one of the sides. And from the United States, my understanding is that it's clearly uh, Americans are telling that they are very happy to transform Ukraine into next Afghanistan for Russia or something as well Afghanistan for Soviet Union. And Afghanistan uh, lasts for 10 years. So from American perspective, 
this uh, conflict, non-stop war, with the ups and downs of this intensivity of military activities for another several years. Excellent scenario for United States. Not very good for Europe, but again, because Europe does not understand, okay, uh, again, long war is bad, but everything else is bad. So my understanding is that we will see uh, for the 2023, this uh, continues, this war in Ukraine will continue. I don't believe there will be peace agreement. Of course, I don't believe that there will be peace agreement even for decades to come. But I'm afraid that uh, maybe we will not see even a ceasefire. This is for Ukraine. So I will not be surprised if on December 27, 2023, there will be no ceasefire agreement signed between Russia and Ukraine. Regarding Armenia, Azerbaijan and Nagorno-Karabakh, Azerbaijan will do everything to force Armenia to give it what it wants and also to force as much Armenians to leave Nagorno-Karabakh as possible. What are the scenarios here for Armenia? It's Maybe it sounds a little bit tough or dire predictions, but the current situation is very bad for Armenia. But unfortunately, I'm afraid that our best case scenario is to keep the current uh, situation. Uh, so you may say, that, okay, it's a contradiction. If current situation is quite bad, how it could be best case scenario to, to do everything to keep quite bad a situation. But my understanding is that any other options or any changes of this very volatile status quo emerged after November 2020 will be even worse than now. So our best case scenario is to keep the current status quo, but which itself is a very uh, negative for Armenia. All right. Uh, our guest was Benjamin Pogosian. He has been right many times in the past, and I can't say I disagree, but uh, thank you, Benjamin, for your time. And thank you to our viewers. This has been a collaboration between 168 Hours and Groom Podcast. Today is the 16th day of the blockade of Artsakh by Baku, and uh, there seems to be no end in sight, but we do wish uh, for the situation to resolve as soon as possible. Thank you very much, and have a nice day. That concludes this week's conversation on Groom. We look forward to your feedback, including your suggestions for conversation topics in the future. Contact us on our website at groong.org, that's G-R-O-O-N-G, or on our Facebook page, ann-groong, or in our Facebook group, groong-Armenian News Network. Special thanks to Lar Osborne for providing the music for our podcast. I'm Helvik Manicharyan, and on behalf of everyone in this episode, I wish you a good week. Thank you for listening, and talk to you soon.